0: Hi, this is Jimmy and Karen Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage-building content. And today, Karen, first of all, welcome.
1: Hi, it's so good to be here.
0: And we're talking about what marriage really means. You know, this this is a, a teaching that really does help people to understand why why get married. And when you're married, well, what does it really mean? Is it just, you know, sharing a house together or kids? And and if that is what it really means, it gets pretty dull. (laughs) You have to understand. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have some questions and answers. Then the teaching is coming up here in just a few minutes. But let me read you a question. This is from some of our listeners. Uh, My husband has determined that there are a few issues that are off limits because they always end in a disagreement. When you don't see eye to eye, how do you resolve the issue?
1: Well, you and I had this issue with money. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that was our trigger point of having explosive fights so we just didn't agree with the money um how we saw money and um i'm not sure her wording that he is determined means that he doesn't want to talk at all but um i think just a few suggestions of maybe learning how each other's language is you know like once you and i learned each other's money language it helped break down some walls of you know resentment that we had towards each other.
0: Well, I, I would encourage uh, anyone having problems like this. We have uh, several teachings. The in in my book, mm-hmm. the Four Laws of Love, which is also an audio book, which is also a video series. But I talk about resolving conflicts. Uh, you know, and dealing with anger and resolving conflicts. And there is a process that you have to go through in doing that. And you're exactly right, Karen. We fought. We couldn't talk about money. Mm-hmm. Uh, But when we learn to understand each other and respect each other, because we have different money languages. But when we learn to understand and respect each other, we could talk about it. And it really became a great area of our marriage. And so uh, I would encourage you because this, I I don't want to be tried about this and give too short of an answer because this is a big deal. If you don't know how to resolve conflicts, I really do encourage you get the four laws of love. It'll talk to you about dealing with your anger, resolving conflicts. And if you go through the right process, it's really the rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that you can't talk about if you do it correctly. Yeah. And I think you have a question for me, Karen.
1: Yes. My wife has a secret stash of fun money, and it bothers me that she needs to do this. I want to share everything, and she likes having some areas separate.
0: Well, you know, having a separate stash of fund money is not the issue. The issue is secrecy.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So let me give you a principle. Anytime that a spouse feels as though their spouse is out of control in an area, they will go to the opposite extreme to try to gain control. Mm -hmm. For for example, uh, if a spouse feels as though their spouse is not saving enough money, they're spending too much money, they're not good with money, they'll begin to privately save. They'll begin to stash money. Now, I don't necessarily hear that in this question, no. you know, because it's like a secret stash. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a problem having a secret stash of money unless it's $4 million, you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know, and you're, you're planning to escape to Hawaii or something, start a different life. But, but you know, it's the secrecy issue. Yeah. And that is, rather than saying, honey, I, could I have some money in my account over here so I can do this and this? She's doing it secretly.
1: Well, and it's it's, it's destroying trust. I mean— That's right. You know, your marriage is built on trust. And, right. And, you know, when you start doing little things like that, you, you start eroding that trust factor that you have to have for a good marriage.
0: Well, you need to budget together. You need to uh, manage your finances together. And there needs to be accountability and honesty. And this flies in the face of all that. Yeah, I agree. So the main thing is, if you know, if the if the wife wants to have some, you know, her own stash of money, just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And just say, you know, do you mind if I put $50 a week or $100 a week in this, you know, my coffee can in the closet and, you know, store it, <laughs> whatever. And that way you both agree on it. But, but here's the issue, Karen. You said it right. If you're not telling me that, what mm-hmm. else aren't you telling me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got your own little thing going oh, on. Oh, and
1: like, where, where is this fun money going? <laughs>
0: yeah, her boyfriend. <laughs> oh, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> so, okay, well, we hope this has been helpful to you today. This teaching is coming up. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. We love hearing how it helps your marriage. Now let's listen to the teaching on today's talk. I want to talk to you about the meaning of marriage. Now, if, if I came to you Most people, and I said to you, what does marriage mean? Most people cannot answer that question. Uh, In the eyes of the state, when you stand and you get married, what does that mean? You will know in just a few minutes the meaning of marriage and the importance of understanding what it means. Listen, how can you succeed if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish? And so we need to understand the meaning of marriage and what we're trying to accomplish, what God's trying to accomplish uh, in our marriage. How to experience lasting passion and intimacy. Marriage gets better every year when you do it right. When you do it wrong, it gets worse every year. And so again, you may have been married for a year or two or, or 18, and maybe the, the sizzle has gone out of your marriage. You can get it back. You can get it back in a very short period of time. We went from out smack out of love to in love in a few weeks when we began to, to change the way that we were married. But listen, listen to this other thing. I want to talk to you about how to have a win-win relationship. In a, in a biblical marriage, there is no loser. If there's a loser in the relationship, it is not a biblically-based marriage. Because God created marriage to be a win-win situation for men and women. And I want to just talk to you about the power of marriage and how it communicates God's love to our children. And that's what we need to do is to show our children how can our children succeed unless we show them how. And so we want to show them a godly marriage. And it's one of the most important things that we do. Now Ephesians 5 is the most important text in the world concerning marriage. Nowhere in the world do you see a place where marriage is explained to us as explicitly as it is in Ephesians 5. And Paul says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother... Be joined to his wife and they two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. And really what he's saying is it was a great mystery until now. But he's saying, I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the Apostle Paul is saying, when you're married, God's way, the man is a Christ-like husband, and the woman is a Holy Spirit-like wife. She's respecting her husband, and he's sacrificially loving her, and that's the way that it should be. But when Karen and I, we we were wounding each other. But what happened when we began to understand God's plan for marriage is we stopped hurting each other and we started healing each other. Now listen, if If marriage is supposed to be a picture of Jesus in the church, is Jesus our herder or is Jesus our healer? Well, he's our healer. Is the Holy Spirit our herder or is the Holy Spirit our healer? Well, he's our healer. And so when you're married the wrong way, you wound each other. A lot of people flinch when they hear the word marriage. A lot of people don't want to be married because they've seen so much damage and so much wounding in marriage, to them, marriage is just a painful word. When Karen and I changed the way that we related to each other, we started healing each other. I mean, it's literally the opposite. You, you married your healer. And that's the reason it's, a, it's a, a picture of Christ in the church. A good marriage is more attractive than you can possibly realize. We, we asked this question one day, and, and this, is, this is an interesting thing to ask. Who do you know that has a really great marriage? And a lot of people can never think of anyone in their life, in their family or their circle of friends that had really great marriage. Let me tell you what that means. That means if you need help, you don't know where to go. But when you ask that question, who do you know that has a really great marriage? If you can answer that question, there's hope for your marriage because that's who you're gonna go to. And when people around us began to see, and we're not special in any way, we almost divorced. It was the grace of God that kept, I was a divorce waiting for a place to happen. But when people began to see our marriage, it gave them hope. And they began to come to us and ask us questions. And, and again, it just kind of threw us off. But here's another thing that happened when our marriage changed. It changed the legacy for our children. Our, our parent, my, my mom and dad were married for 60, and I'm not saying this with any pride, I'm saying it with thankfulness. My mom and dad were married for 61 years when my dad died. Karen's mom and dad have now, now been married for 61 years. We've been married for 40 years. Our children have both been married for now over 10 years. How many of you want to leave a legacy of marriage for your children? And it's never too late. You may have been divorced two or three times. It's never too late. You can begin right now to leave. It's worth anything you give. That's what I'm trying to say. Anything that you would do to make marriage work. And so God has a plan for your marriage. It will be a win-win deal. And you say, what does marriage mean? In the eyes of God, in the eyes of the state, what is it that, ha- what, what are we trying to accomplish when we stand in front of a preacher or, or whoever and we're married, what is it? There are, three, there are three things that happen when we get married. Number one is financial unity. The state or the country, for those of you who are in different countries, when you get married, what the state is saying is, we now see you as one financially. You're one financial unit. Before, we saw you separately. You pay taxes separately, and if one of you died, you were not entitled to the other person's property. But now that you're married, we see you as one financially. The, the second thing is you're next of kin. Listen, you are now closer to them than you were to your parents. And the Bible says a man shall leave his father and mother. And by the way, God said that over Adam, and Adam didn't have a mother. Adam and Eve didn't have belly buttons. They were created first generation by God. And so God was saying, marriage will not work unless you leave your mother and father, which just simply means reprioritize them, not to abuse them or anything. Just you know, reprioritize your mother and father and cleave unto your wife, okay? You've heard the saying that blood is thicker than water. And we hear that saying and it's kind of like, if a fight breaks out, choose blood, you know, your, your blood kin. Okay, well let me give you another way to think of this. Blood may be thicker than water, but spirit is thicker than blood. And Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not man separate. When you get married, God joins you. When Adam saw Eve, God put him to sleep, took a rib out, created Eve, and he looked at Eve and said, this is bone of my bones, this is flesh, of my flesh. And that's what happens when you get married. You are now family. You're more family than any family you've ever had. And again, this is an extremely important thing to understand, the third element of marriage is sexual exclusivity. And what that means is, is that we are now exclusive sexual partners. And by the way, sex is the only exclusive area of marriage. You spend money with other people, you talk with other people, you may pray with other people, worship with other people, interact with other people, but you shouldn't have sex with anybody else. It's one of the essential elements of a good marriage is sexual faithfulness. Okay, So let me talk for just a minute about these three areas. Finances, we are financial partners in everything each of us does, whether good or bad, affects the other. So now we're we're a partnership, we're a team. And we have to understand that we're trying to, people get married, and and by the way, people who are married are better off financially than people who aren't, uh, almost all the time. Marriage is the greatest wealth producing entity on earth. Okay, but you have to do it right, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. We're next of kin, and what that means is, I am primarily taking responsibility for you. You may have had other people, before we got married, you may have had mother, father, brother, sister, aunts, uncles, grandparents, someone else before this marriage was primarily responsible for you. But here's what I'm saying in marrying you. I am now, until we die, I am now primarily responsible for taking care of you. I am assuming that responsibility. And that's what this marriage means. We're family, you're bone of my bone. Number three, sexual exclusivity, which means we belong to each other, and I will be faithful to you, and I will be careful and accountable, and it also means I will fulfill your sexual needs. I am taking responsibility now. First Corinthians seven, the apostle Paul, this is one of the most astounding scriptures in the Bible. The apostle Paul says, when you get married, you don't have authority over your own body. Your spouse does. Not for the sake of abuse, but for the sake of use. In other words, you can't use your body as a weapon. You can't withdraw sexually from your spouse to punish your spouse. They have a right of use of your body sexually when you get married. That's what marriage means. When, what does marriage mean? It means we're next of kin. We're financial partners. And we belong to each other sexually. And I will keep myself unto you alone sexually, and I will meet your needs. And your needs are not my needs. No no two people have exactly the same sexual needs. And to meet each other's sexual needs, it means you're meeting the need in another person that you don't necessarily have. And the timing is typically not the same. And so this is what marriage means. And and so if you're gonna have a good marriage, the core has to be there. And the issue is it all has to be there. If any one of these begin to suffer, the marriage can suffer. In fact, it's an interesting thing. Do you realize that the three things I just mentioned, money, met needs, and sex are the three reasons we get married and the three most powerful elements of marriage, and they're the three main reasons we divorce? The three main reasons that couples divorce are sexual problems, I'm not getting my needs met, and money problems. But that's actually the reason that God made marriage. The power of marriage is remembering the core. What is it that we're trying to accomplish? Listen to me, you got married, whether you realize it or not, you got married so you could share your finances, and have an economic blessing so you could meet each other's needs and be fulfilled in life and so you could have a faithful sexual partner for the rest of your life and get your needs met. That's why you got married. That's, that's, that's the prize of marriage. That's the goal line, but you have to have all three. And so let me talk about some of the challenges of this issue of how to preserve the core because it's what's gonna make a good marriage is let me talk about finances for just a minute. One of the biggest problems is prioritizing one over the other two. You have to have all three of them. Okay, and let me give you an example, is finances. Now one of the, the questions that we got from, from you guys is this is a question from a man, and here's what he said. I finally have my dream job, but my wife says I work too much and I'm never at home. How can I convince her that I'm doing this for the good of our family? And look, this is a virtuous guy, I mean, he's working hard. I mean, he says, I have my dream job, but my wife is complaining and she's saying, I'm at work all the time and, and I need to come home more. Okay, here's what he's done. He's chosen finances over met needs. And by the way, the number one reason for sexual dysfunction is stress and fatigue. People are just too tired. Let me, let me tell you a saying that you need to pray, write down and remember. If the devil can't get in front of you and stop you, he'll get behind you and push you too fast. Because we weren't designed to live under stress. We just simply weren't. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. Let me, let me tell you, I know a lot of rich people have bad marriages. And I know a lot of people of very, very humble means that have great marriages. If you believe that money will solve all your problems, you're deceived. And by the way, here's what Jesus said this is the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. He said, These are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. He's talking about a person producing fruit for God, and he's saying these people, the seed among the thorns, he says the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. The word cares there means anxious awareness. It means anxiety. It means you're just, you're just stressed out. You're going too fast. Now, here's another great scripture, Proverbs 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord. You say, well, we want to prosper. Great, I do too. Money's a, money's a wonderful thing. But do you want it to cost you your children? Do you want it to cost you your health? It's foolish. It's foolish. When you make God first, you have God in your life. You have a great marriage and family. You, you have a purpose for living. And God blesses you with all these things. Karen's dad, when we married, he was traveling between Amarillo and Dallas. And he was in the process, he was an insurance salesman, he was in the process of starting a new insurance company and actually developing a new product for corporate businesses. And they had just gotten saved. When, when we got married, Karen, Karen's parents did not like me when we were dating. Uh, they weren't saved and I wasn't saved. They brought boys over to meet Karen while I was there. I was not their selection as a son-in-law. And we, we love each other today. But Karen's dad got saved about the time we got married and he said to the Lord, you bless me and I'll give to your kingdom. And my father-in-law and mother-in-law, I, I, I can't even tell you how the Lord has blessed them. And, and I mean, but they have evangelized people all over the world. They serve the kingdom of God and their value system is not money. Their value system is God and family. And they have never allowed money, regardless of how much they had, to ever control them or to compromise their decision making. And we have seen God bless that. And so my prayer for you is every blessing that God would make you rich and add no sorrow to it, but it happens when you seek God first in his kingdom and don't let anything else come between it. So I'm saying don't choose money over your marriage. Don't choose money over being able to meet each other's needs. You may have less, but you'll have it in a more peaceful home, okay? And that less won't be there for long because God's gonna bless you if you make good decisions. But the other thing is dominating any of those areas. It, the marriage only works when you share it as a partnership. Now, I was dominant in our relationship. I dominated Karen, and so I was a very dominant husband. We had a horrible marriage as long as I was dominant. And, and the issue is there's, there's three kinds of differences in marriage. There are celebrated differences, tolerated differences, or rejected differences. And when your spouse, you're different. You're two halves of a whole. When you get married, you need your spouse's input to make a good decision. But when Karen and I married, I just thought she was weird. When she would say something, I'd roll my eyes, I'd call her stupid, and I'd try to dominate the areas of our family. But my wife, men have half the brain, women have half the brain, together we have the whole brain. And in order to have a good marriage, it means we celebrate our differences. Do you know that you naturally celebrate your differences when you marry each other? When you meet and fall in love? You celebrate, you celebrate your differences. You, you look at each other and you, know, you say something different, you do what you do and you celebrate it. You don't roll your eyes and say you're stupid. You never have gone out on a second date with someone who called you stupid on the first date. You're crazy, you're weird. You, get, you, got your, you need some hormone adjustment big time. Now we celebrate each other. Well you're smart, well you're well you're interesting. Wow, you're deep. If your spouse has to pay a price for sharing their opinion in your marriage, you're dominating the relationship. If your spouse doesn't feel freedom to share how they feel about any area of the marriage without paying a price, you're dominating the relationship. A good marriage just simply means we're gonna talk about money, we're gonna talk about the kids. We're gonna talk about how and where we worship. We're gonna talk about you know, our relationship and all those things until we agree. Great marriages, we agree. And so the core of marriage is we're financial partners and we're gonna agree on this, we're gonna have a plan. And we're gonna sit down and talk and pray and we're gonna agree. We're gonna meet each other's needs and our needs are very different from one another. In my Marriage on the Rock seminar, I talk about that a lot but we're very different from each other and so the needs that your spouse has are not your needs. And so, But when I married you, I took responsibility to meet your needs and sex is an important part of our marriage and so I'm reserving my sexuality for you alone and I'm committed to meeting your sexual needs and if I'm not, you have an open door to tell me and I will not make you pay a price. I'm not gonna punish you, I'm not gonna withhold from you and I'm saying to you, keep the core going. And when the devil attacks our marriages, typically what he'll do is he'll attack one of those areas. Let me go back to the question I said earlier about the guy that said, I finally have my dream job. Who cares if it's your dream job? It needs to be both of your dream jobs. If it busts your wife's dream, it's not your dream job. And for this guy, I completely understand what he's saying. He's trying to be a good provider. If what I'm doing violates you, I won't do it. And I'm gonna listen to what you're saying because our marriage isn't good until we're both saying it's good. It doesn't matter if the woman says it's a good marriage. It doesn't matter if a man says it's a good marriage. Do both of you say that? It's a win-win situation. So when you got married, regardless of you realize it or not, you became financial partners, you took responsibility as the closest family member that you have to care for each other in that regard, and you swore sexual exclusivity to your spouse. Okay. that's what keeps the core going. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage. And I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.